DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. You're listening to the High Octane Leadership Podcast with Donald Thompson. The world is shifting around you. None of us were trained for this changing environment. You need high octane leadership in an empathetic world before your business is swallowed alive. This podcast focuses on actionable, hands-on tools you can use to become a high octane leader today and grow strong leaders throughout your organization to survive tomorrow. Join me along with global C-suite leaders, rising stars, ambitious entrepreneurs, and other leaders from across industries as we dissect, interrogate, and redefine high-octane leadership in an empathetic world. This podcast is your home for uncovering the tools, lessons, and strategies you need to push your leadership to the next level. One of the things that is really powerful about today's economy, today's view on leadership, is we're all looking at things through a different and more broader lens. And one of the things that I like to do for our audience is bring folks from all different backgrounds, all different perspectives and personalities, and talking about how leadership and leadership development can help you win in today's economy. Kevin Reagan is a good friend of mine and uh, very strong in his experience in organizational design, development, a lot of experience in healthcare. And I want to bring to you my good friend, Mr. Kevin Reagan. Hello, how are you? How's it going, Don? So Kevin not only has that uh, radio voice, but all in all, um, what I found out through working with Kevin is that his ability to work with folks in really building their best self, right, both in the workplace and personally is something that's very, very powerful. And so, Kevin, as we dive in, I want to give you an opportunity to just share with our audience a little bit about you, your background, whatever you feel comfortable sharing so that our audience knows you as an individual. And then we'll dig into your business and how you add value as a professional and all those things. But tell us a little bit about Kevin. Okay, so a little bit about Kevin. I am a native New Yorker. Uh, I spent most of my um, childhood and uh, post or pre-adolescent life in New York and left New York to go to college in Louisiana. So that was fun because it was a change of culture. I learned a lot about 
um, different cultures going into Louisiana, because when you're from New York, you think everything around the world revolves around New York City. And you go to different cultures and there's, you find out it doesn't, right? And there's so many different people that are enjoying life in different ways. Um, but the one thing that I think I found in my journey was that what all people want is to be validated, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But after college, I started working um, for the limited brands, which was interesting. They own Victoria's Secrets and, and so forth. And um, I left there and I went on to work for another uh, company, which was a nonprofit, okay. um, where we worked to house the homeless. Nice. And after that, I moved uh, out of New York right after 9-11 and started working in healthcare. And that's how I got into healthcare. And I worked for a Catholic organization in healthcare where I really um, learned the intricacies of a business because in healthcare, there's, even though healthcare is one entity, it has over 500 departments, mm-hmm. 500 plus departments. And you work with a lot of different people from a lot of different disciplines. And that you learn that you know the needs are different, but still that um, innate desire to be validated has always been there. And um, eventually I went on to move out of Virginia. You know, I was married and got divorced and moved on to Tennessee, where I worked for a nonprofit that helped high achieving students, you know, gain leadership skills. So we worked with a lot of companies like AutoZone, um, the Hyde Foundation, and, you know, other reputable uh, companies to help these students build these leadership skills because in Memphis they had what they call a, uh, a leadership drain and there wasn't a lot of late people moving into Memphis so gotcha. what they figured was is they would start with these high school students they would go off build their lives but as always you know once they have kids they come back home gotcha and that helped build that leadership bridge and then after that I moved I did a lot of moving um, to South Carolina where I worked in a plant uh, that made Car covers. Okay. So that was very interesting before returning back to healthcare. And that's when I moved into North Carolina and worked for about three healthcare companies here. And it has definitely been a fun and enlightening journey. So, one of the things that um, I'd like you to start off sharing is what is your perspective on what makes a powerful and effective leader? And then we're going to then dig into some of the things you do with leadership development, organizational change, or business. But talk to us a little bit about what you think makes an effective leader. I think there's two things. One is self-awareness. Okay. And the second is situational awareness. Because being able to um, see how you're coming off to other people is very important because I can teach you all the leadership skills in the world. If you're not cognizant about how other people are, are perceiving your approach, then it'll fail. And so that's why we start with uh, self-awareness. And I would say self-awareness and situational awareness are the two. Gotcha. And when you think about, um, I want to give you some space now to talk a little bit about what you do to help folks with organizational change, leadership development, right? Tell us a little bit about your business in terms of what you do for folks, uh, why it matters, the impact, right? right? And, and how they can connect and, and work with you. Well, um, I work with leaders uh, as well as I do some professional development with teams, but 
the uh, Reagan Group, which is the name of my company. It's also called TRG. You might see the Reagan Group TRG. Um, what we do is we help leaders gain that self-awareness, um, and we help them build high-performance teams. These things lead to better retention, increased engagement, uh, higher market share, higher productivity. And of course, overall, when you develop and you invest in other people, it leads to loyalty, mm. right? And these are the things that can help move a company forward. I think one of the biggest myths is, are that people are replaceable. And in this world of where people are making decisions more now than ever, you know, one of our motto is people as partners because your people have become partners. Um, one wrong move by your employees can get you sued, right? And so all of these things are important for companies moving forward who want to have that sustained, um, marketable uh, edge on other organizations. When you think about, and that's very powerful, I, I like the phrase people as partners, right? Because a lot of times in business, we fall into that hierarchical kind of framework yes. that we've done, right? That boss-employer relationship. Correct. And quite frankly, what I'm seeing in the marketplace as an executive coach, as a business leader myself, is people are looking to where they can get true value for what they deliver to the organization. Okay. And they want to be partners. Where did you find that people as partners mindset? And then how do you communicate that in a way that leaders understand it? Interesting you said that. That's a great question. Because one of the things that I've learned on my journey and through my research is that the most loyal and the most engaged employees can tell the truth. And what I've found in many organizations is that is not the case. People are very afraid to tell the truth. Um, leaders say they want the feedback, but they're not um, really susceptible to it or there's backlash around it. Um, of course, when we talk about body language, you're in staff are reading your body language. So even if you sit quiet, they're reading the body language and they're determining whether it's safe. And so Google did this um, study where they talked about psychological safety. Mm. And that is extremely important when it comes to developing your leaders and developing your team that they feel psychologically safe. I will tell you this, the best when things start to go wrong. Typically, your best people are the people to leave first. However, it's your best people that you need to stay. And so what we're looking at is, what does it take to keep leaders um, engaged in their employees' development, right? Because there's a lot of things like, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money. All of these things are factors. But in the long run, um, there's this book I read called How the Mighty Fall. Mm. And it, it's a study on CEOs and what they did best. And one of the stories that stood out, um, without giving the book away, was there, there was this one CEO, and she was known for her flamboyant approach, uh, very celebrity-like uh, aura about her, and they hired her for that purpose. Well, when they hired her, their stocks went up tremendously. Right now, I'm going to switch to this other CEO that they hired, and he came in, and what he did was he studied the organization. Um, his stocks probably went up maybe about six percent, and then they plateaued. But it was more important for him to study the organization and learn the organization. Well, on the flip side, the first CEO I mentioned, um, because there was no substance behind the products and it was all about flash, their stocks dropped. 
and the CEO who took the time to study the business and, and learn the business, his stocks, of course, rose. And when we look at companies like car companies like uh, Toyota, for example, a Japanese company that really spends a lot of time on their products, right? Mm -hmm. They are more about substance than style. But at the same time, you don't see too many Toyotas on the road, right? And so it's important that when we are looking at moving a company forward, that we're investing in our people so that they invest back into the company. Oh, that's powerful. What are some of the things that give a leader substance? Well, the things that we focus on are uh, leadership development, conflict navigation, um, coaching and assessments, and um, employee well-being. Well, what can give a leader substance is first knowing who you are. And so that would be the coaching and the assessments. What I do is I, um, when I'm coaching a leader, I give them a, a certain amount of assessments. And these assessments, some of you might have heard of them, Myers-Briggs, to, to measure their personality type. I do a DISC assessment. Mm -hmm. I also do an emotional intelligence just to get started. And these help provide what I call a mirror for that leader to see themselves, to see how they're coming off, right? And it's an approach. And I have a lot of leaders who don't like their results, but my response was, you answered the questions, right? <laughs> so this is, you know, this is all based on information you have provided. And I use those tools to help that leader see how they're engaging with other people. But the great thing about those tools is I'm not just sitting there and we're, we're discussing your behaviors and, and your body language or things. I actually give you tips and tools on if I'm working with this type of person, here's what I need to do. Got it. Right? And so we give you tangible items that you can walk away with that will last you years to come. One of the things in leadership um, that I've found, right, is leadership is all about relationships. Yes. Um, you can learn the techniques, you can learn the tips and tricks, but if you don't develop trust with the people that you're leading, it's hard to execute your strategy. What are some of the things that you would recommend that you help coach leaders on how to build an environment of trust within the teams they're leading? Okay. Well, the first thing I would say is you have to build credibility. And credibility is based on both your character and your competence. And this is uh, noted in um, Stephen M. R. Covey's book, The Speed of Trust. Okay. Right. And he talks about, you know, building your credibility and the, it's through your integrity, right? Your intent, your capabilities, and your results. And so those are the things that you need to do to build cr uh, credibility. Now, when it comes to building trust, there are actually 13 behaviors okay. that Mr. Covey discusses. And a couple of those behaviors are talk straight. Demonstrate respect, mm -hmm. uh, transparency, create transparency, um, get better. And those are just among of the, a few of those um, behaviors. Got it. If you want to know more, you, um, I offer the Speed of Trust course as well. Um, and you can learn more about those 13 behaviors and the credibility. One of the things, and, and I appreciate the thing about that, one, you shared an example where people can learn on their own. Like, for me... Coaches, teachers, mm -hmm. leaders certainly have experiences and a lot of perspective. But I like when leaders give me a place where I can learn more, right? So yes. you reference that book and that different things. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that process at a granular level when someone comes to you and they want a leadership or a business coach. 
What is your process? Okay, so if you want a leadership business coach, what I do is I typically do an intake process, okay. right? And I have a series of questions that I ask you to gauge where you are on your leadership journey. And based on that, I also ask you questions about, like some companies do culture engagement um, surveys. And so I, I'll ask you, what are your scores? Um, your, they also do employee engagement surveys. So I'll probably ask you, you know, what are your scores there? Um, I may ask you around your, uh, if you received any type of performance evaluations, you know, to see where there are areas are for improvement. Yep. And then we would work around those areas, and then I would give you a customized uh, assessments. So like I told you, the three that I already start with, the Myers-Briggs, the DISC, and the emotional intelligence, we may go into things like um, measuring your resilience gauge, how well can you handle problems and bounce right back, you know, as well as I may do something, you know, uh, assessment around how well you handle stress, right? Okay. So stress is a really big deal because I can tell you there's a lot, and there's a book around this called The Stress Effect, and it's called The Stress Effect, Why Smart Leaders Make Dumb Decisions. <laughs> and that all has to do with our emotions, uh, right? So when we don't have our emotions intact or we're not aware of our emotions, then they, they seem to take over. And in the OD world, or that's organizational development world, we call that an amygdala hijack. Got it. Right? An amygdala hijack. hijack. And okay. so <laughs> just to explain that quickly, the amygdala is the back part of your brain. It talks about your fight and flight, right? And it, it, it's your survival brain. And then there's the frontal cortex of your brain, which is your logic and reasoning. Well, when you get stressed, the amygdala immediately takes over that frontal cortex, and now all of your decisions are being made in emotions. Mm. I mean, you use the kind of the psychological detail behind that question we're all trying to face, right? Why do smart people do dumb things? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've found in working with leaders is that when you don't really have an honest assessment of self, mm -hmm. And you're always trying to put on airs about what you should be in the eyes of other people. Yes. What you'll do is you'll make decisions that are not fact-based. That's correct. In order to try to save face or look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And what I found as a leadership development coach, my own right, but also as a leader that's made a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. I've succeeded well when I've slowed down to listen to the opinions of others who are experts in the space, and then I take an informed decision. I have succeeded in spite of myself when I've tried to do those things like fake it till you make it. Right. Right. And and quite frankly, you know, there's all these cliches in leadership that are really scary because they create roadblocks for people that you don't understand. Fake it till you make it. Well, that sounds pretty scary if you're leading an organization of a thousand people, right? Right. And you're making decisions that have to do with the the PL, the bottom line, the growth, the profit. Right of a large organization where people's lives are at stake. Why not, instead of the fake it till you make it, why not ask other experts and get informed advice and then take an informed decision? And a lot of that has to do with our egos. Right. Right. And how do we look in front of others? And so one of the things I want you to, to kind of uh, share some feedback on, how do you help manage that level of authenticity, that level of trust, that level of confidence that allows leaders to know that they don't have all the answers 
and to curiosity's curiosity to seek those answers? Well, uh, there's two references I want to use, and they happen to be books. Sure. Um, and then I'm going to share a personal story. Okay. Um, the first book is Leadership and Self-Deception, mm. where it really talks about how you perceive others. Do you perceive others as having the same needs and desires as yourself, or do you perceive them as objects to get to the place or a means to get to the place that you're trying to get to? Um, when you use people as objects, they feel it, right? And so that uh, leadership and self-deception talks more in depth about how to overcome, well, first, how to become aware of it, but then how to start overcoming it. And it's not something that you're going to get to this place and it's like, I'm, I'm cured. It's going to be a constant step. You know, even me, even myself, I'm always monitoring my emotions or my thoughts. And so it's really about noticing when you're having um, this thought and where it's really coming from. The, the second book is called A New Earth, um, and it's by Eckhart Tolle. And this gentleman talks about ego. And I love the way he framed ego because he, he de describes ego as the attachment to form. And so what that might look like is, um, I'll just use myself as an example. Because I'm a black male, I should be attached to all civil rights movements. I should be a staunch Black Lives Matter advocate. Um, I should be one of those people who are, you know, always advocating for justice, right? And while all of those things are part of me, right, I've learned to detach from them. Because when you become too attached to something, you have tunnel vision and you refuse to see other perspectives, right? Also, I should be a Democrat because I'm black, right? As one of our presidents have noted, if you didn't vote for them, you must be, you're not black, right? So, um, all of these things are grounded in ego that we're so attached to them mm -hmm. that we, we tend to lose sight of the things that are keeping us from getting to our, our goals. And as you talked about leadership, you know, one of the things uh, is listening to other people, right? It's important that you listen to others. You know, we talk about things like active listening. That's a very important concept. Active listening is simply listening without judgment, without trying to interject with questions. It's really listening to understand the person so that you can understand their perspective. And there's a, then there's this other thing called empathy, right? A lot of leaders, um, they are like, what is this empathetic stuff, sure. right? Because most Guilty. leaders, <laughs> they've gotten to a place where it's like, you know, I got to where I'm at because I was good at what I did. And I worked hard. And I, I worked hard, right? And, and these behaviors got me to where, I, where I'm at. But when you're leading other people, one of the advice that I give to leaders is that you're not leading people, you're leading emotions. Every thought mm -hmm. um, that, that comes out of your mouth, every, every um, display of emotion in your body language, you're telling people um, a story that may not match the words that are coming out of your mouth, right? So when it comes to... Uh, developing people, the first thing is, you know, if we want to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? At the bottom, there is your safety needs, right? You do have food, water, and all of those other things. And about level four, it gets to what we talk about self-actualization, right? And, and, and people development. Yep. And believe it or not, when you get people to that level, right, they're being paid decently. Um, you have the relationships with the managers, as you mentioned before. Um, 
you see that the managers are producing the things that you want them to produce for the organization, yep. that they're bringing the organization to the next level. At the people development level, that is where your loyalty comes in. Because that's where I, as the employee, feel like you as the leader is investing in me. And like any relationship, once you get to that place, it helps build authenticity. And there's another book um, that I'm going to bring up by uh, Neil Donald Walsh, and he talks about relationships. And he says in that book, the hardest relationships to leave are are relationships where you can be your most authentic self. There are, you know, if you go on Google and you type in executive coach, leadership coach, Mm -hmm. Uh, business advisor, right? You're going to get thousands of people that have those titles. Mm -hmm. Why should someone call you? Well, I think one of the reasons is that um, having spent over 10,000 hours in workshops, I have received a ton of feedback from the front line all the way to the executive level. Many coaches who work with executives typically look at the, the strategy area, right? But there's not a lot of emphasis on what the employee's needs are, right, when it comes to retention. Everything is about money, saving the, saving the dollar, and not the long-term strategy on how retention over time can save money, how process improvements can save money. And, you know, I worked for a local healthcare organization, and one of the things that I loved about them is that they never fired their employees, right? They always found a way around... Mm any type of financial stress, and that has drawn a lot of loyalty to that healthcare organization because people feel safer in their jobs. I mean, I'm actually a patient at that healthcare organization, now, even though I no longer work with them. I feel very cared for because they have experienced clinicians you know, at the bedside. They have people who know the, the mission and the vision of the organization so they know where to take it. And they also spend a lot of time on leadership development, you know. And so working with these organizations, these healthcare organizations, these non-healthcare organizations, I learned that people want to do better. Mm. They just don't know how. Oh, man. That's a, that's a lot right there. I think the thing that I would echo is that um, people have the desire. Yes. They have the goals and the focus but they need someone to help them chart the right steps at the right time. Right. And and that then gives them the ability to create some momentum, mm-hmm. right? And then that momentum builds confidence. Um, one of the things that, you know, we'll disclose on, on this show is you and I work together. We partner together. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have a coaching relationship. Yes, sir. Uh, tell me some of the things that you've gained through working with me. And if it's nothing, we'll, we'll edit it out. <laughs> I, can t- I can tell you, I can tell you this. If you're looking for a coach, period. So whether it's a business coach, whether it's a leadership coach, whether it's a startup, I will tell you Donald Thompson is the man. And he has helped me tremendously in ways as far as um changing my company name, you know, the company I had. I like I love that name, but it was a little too long. So he helped me come up with something that was more dynamic, which is how we got to the Reagan Group. And also, he has really helped me understand about client acquisition, the importance of, you know, where to go to get clients, um, who do you need to be to get clients, and what do you need to provide to get clients. And so all of this information has been extremely valuable to me. 
And um, I'm glad that I made the decision to go with Mr. Thompson. I, I met Mr. Thompson while I was working at that, that health care organization um, that I was working with, and I mm -hmm. was working as a diversity lead. And uh, I spoke with my CEO, and he said that, reach out to this gentleman. Apparently, he was very impressed by Mr. Thompson, and I reached out to Mr. Thompson. And after our hour-long conversation, I was a fan. Two years later, I reached out to Mr. Thompson as a mentor, and here we are. One of the things that, and I appreciate that, that very much, one of the things that I found in both using executive coaching, leadership coaching, and also being a coach myself, it's really about chasing ideas and overcoming challenges together. Mm -hmm. I've found, quite frankly, that if we could do things on our own, we would do them. Yes. But a lot of times, it's not a function of our capability. It's not right. a function of our ability to withstand and overcome. Right. We need somebody that we can borrow their insight and experience so we can get there faster, mm -hmm. right? And that's usually what I describe to folks that, that I work with, that if we work together in a powerful way, if Kevin and I continue to work together in a positive way, mm -hmm. he should be able to meet the goals that he has for his business, his focus, his dreams and aspirations faster. Yes. And so it doesn't weaken you to ask for help. It strengthens your resolve of how to get over the mountain with the least amount of effort, least amount of capital spent, things of that nature. Right. As we wind down our conversation today, yes. um, what are some of the things you would leave folks with about you, your process, your ability to help people kind of build their best leadership framework? Um, I would say start with reading a book. Mm -hmm. Always start, choose a book, something that interests you. You don't have to, you know, do something that sounds extremely studious or anything. Just something around self-awareness mm -hmm. that, that's very interesting because I can tell you of the books I mentioned, the Eckhart Tolle was the most powerful because I went through a traumatic experience. And because of that book, which taught me to not see others um, as people who fulfill your needs. So, for example, what I mean by that is the most selfish thing you can call someone else is selfish, Right. For example, it's your responsibility to meet your needs, and it's my responsibility to meet my needs. The minute I get upset with you because my needs are not met, I have now said that my needs are more important than yours, mm -hmm. right? And so I think starting with a book, also asking for feedback and asking for feedback that pe from people that report to you first, right? And then your colleagues, and then, of course, your leader. Because I can tell you, typically, most leaders will take the feedback from their peers or their leaders, but not their, I don't like to use the word subordinates, but their teams, right? Or their, as we hopefully get to, their partners. And that's important because they're seeing the not-so-great side of you. And if you really want to know what that looks like, they're the only ones that can tell you. But the great part about it about that is your level of respect will go up tremendously when you ask people for feedback and you mean it and you take it and you do something with it. That is powerful. And I think when you ask for feedback of the people that are on your team that you're mm -hmm. charged with leading, it empowers them. It reminds them that you're in it together. Yes. And I think as a leader, one of the things that we all have to continue to work on is that leadership is a responsibility and a relationship. And part of that responsibility and relationship is to bring the best out of the people that you lead. And in order to do that, you have to know them well. 
Yes. And so you have to find that time to know what motivates your team members so that you can align their tasks with their goals, right? right? So that you can align their goals with the goals of the organization and, and business. And so, Kevin, I have absolutely enjoyed chatting with you. We have a lot of fun in the work that we're doing yes, together. Yes, we do. Um, let me give you some space for kind of a parting thought, right? What would you like our audience to be left with in terms of uh, your organization, the Reagan Group, and also be pretty direct. Like, how can they get in touch with you if they want to follow up and learn more? Well, if you want to work with the, the Reagan Group, um, the, one of the things, or, or a few of the things that I can mention that we do is, um, what makes the Reagan Group unique? Well, it's an African-American-led firm, organizational development firm, in an industry where less than 2% of organizational development practitioners are African-American males. Why is this important? Because when you use a minority-based firm and, and you have minority-based facilitators, your staff can see themselves and they see that you are actually engaging in inclusivity as well as there's perspectives that can be offered for minority firms that may not be offered with other firms. and. In addition, what the Reagan Group can do is we offer a myriad of assessments. I mean, I'm certified in over, over 10 psychometric assessments to help you see yourself. Um, in addition, I mentioned over 10,000 hours of experience in workshops. Um, I have had over 150 coaching clients where I've learned tons of information about you know, what leaders are dealing with. But we also offer professional development. So for those people who want their teams to grow, I offer um, many classes on professional development, such as communication, uh, first impressions class. Uh, they can take our DISC class, which talks about behavioral, how you approach your behavior at work or your behavioral approach to your work. Um, one of my extreme go-tos is the Myers-Briggs because the personality assessment for example, most people think extroverts and introverts means one is outgoing, the other one is not, when it's simply about how you process information. And so the Reagan Group offers a unique perspective that is not seen very much in today's United States climate. Well, that's fantastic. Well, listen, once again, um, I appreciate, Kevin, you spending some time together. Uh, I've enjoyed working with you, and I think our audience will continue to benefit from the fact that reaching out for help, reaching out for leadership development, whether it's an executive coach, whether it's books that you read, anytime you're working on Be A Better You, right, you're gonna have an impact on the people that you lead and the teams you're a part of. And right. so, Kevin, I thank you for your time, your effort, your friendship. And uh, with that being said, uh, thanks for another episode of uh, the High Octane Leader in an Empathetic World. This is Donald Thompson, uh, DT for short, over and out. Hi, and I'm Kevin Reagan with The Reagan Group. And if you want to contact me, you can reach me at kevin.reagan, that's R-A-G-I-N, at thereagangroup.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Kevin Reagan. Thank you, Donald, for this time. And it has been a pleasure working with you.